0: And we are in Hebrews, rounding the corner of Hebrews 11, which is the great faith chapter. We spent a lot of time um, parked here in it as we have seen the Old Testament believers and how they were commended for their faith and the things that they've done and is to be as examples. To us, remember, this letter was written to a church who was being persecuted pretty badly, and uh, as we know historically, Nero is coming into power in Rome, and this church and other believers there are about to be um, horrifically um, persecuted. And we've seen things in in the times in the world where historically God's people have um, experienced great um, persecutions. And it, it could happen again, or perhaps the gospel goes forth with great power, and um, and we see a time of revival like we haven't seen before in this life. Either way, we need to be prepared. And what Hebrews does is to prepare God's people for trials and tribulations. And you will have trials and tribulations. You know, we're, we're, even if the entire world becomes Christian and Christians are elevated to high status at every level of government and society, um, there's still going to be trial and tribulation. So be prepared, and the Holy Spirit prepares us for these things. So let's go to his word. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the worship service. It's not just somewhere we come to be entertained. It's not just somewhere we come to hear a lecture. It's not just somewhere we come to to, um, have a quick in and out. We've done our Christian stuff for the day. We feel good about ourselves. But um, it, it's a means of grace. This is the preaching of your word, which can be done anywhere at any time. But the preaching of your word, when everybody's gathered together, when you're believers, when your church, when the congregation of believers are gathered together around your table, around the pulpit, around the word, to be able to, to hear one another's voices. We can't sing in harmony by ourselves. Um, it takes everybody and we are a body, and you remind us of that, that we need one another, and we need the closeness of one another. We are not created to live isolated lives, and so much more so this year do we see not even the need for believers to live in community, but for human beings, all created in the image of God, the need for connection. So Lord, we thank you that you not only connect us as humans but as a church you connect us by your spirit so we're connected by the spirit of Christ and when you give us communion today it's a just a, a seal and a sign of that gospel that's been given to your children, your church so we do thank you be with the preaching of your word This is this time, this hour is a means of grace where you by your spirit meet with your people to change us in a way by the foolishness of preaching that doesn't happen in other ways. There are other places you meet us, other things we're to do, but we're not to neglect the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some, but we are to encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Be with preaching and the hearing of your word So we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I'm going to read Hebrews 11, verses 39 and 40 to begin. The word of the Lord. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. word of the Lord. So it kind of starts off with a, you know, if you just are joining in, and you see, and all these, you got to go back, it's all these Old Testament people we've been talking about in Hebrews 11. um, Moses, David, and um, Samuel, and Abraham, all these people that keep the we've been seeing in their faith as an example for believers today to say, it's the same faith. These guys did amazing things, but you have the same faith. And I know things are hard, I know things are tough, but through faith you can get through this stuff. So, in verse 39, all these, though commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised. So, we have to say, all right, what was promised. And you find that at the beginning of this section that the author of Hebrews is actually expounding on. So if you go to 1035 of Hebrews, we, we're reminded of this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. And you know I'm going to back up one verse. So I always go back a verse prior to whatever I say to start with. For, 34 for you had compassion on those in prison you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one so he's talking about heaven therefore do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may not you may receive what is promised and he's again talking about heavenly reward um, yet a little while and the coming one will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him So he's warning the the church too. He's like don't don't shrink back. Don't turn away Where are you gonna go? What are you gonna do if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ? You are on your own And this will not end well but 39 but and this is the encouragement for the church. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed So what happens to those who shrink back? They will be destroyed we're not to shrink back. Why would anybody shrink back? And that's What does that mean to shrink back? And it's like you're going forward, you're doing real good, and all of a sudden, eh, you know, trial, persecution, whatever it is in your life or your weaknesses or Satan knows to attack you, the world knows how to get to you, the, your own flesh knows how to get to you, and if you don't strongly face these things in your faith, then you're going to shrink back. We're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So this is what faith does. And that's why he goes through this whole chapter about faith. Because it is the preserving of your soul so that you will receive the reward. But if you shrink back, if you're those who say, you know, it had all of Israel left Egypt. They were saved by miraculous signs. But when they went through the trials, um, none except um, Joshua and Caleb of that generation made it into the promised land because they lacked faith. So he's saying, (laughs) don't shrink back. It's going to be hard. You're going to go through an exodus. That's where the church is today. We're, We're not in Egypt. We have been set free from our sin, but we are not in the promised land yet. We are wandering in the desert, but we're not isolated. We are going into the world to make disciples of all nations, but when you become a disciple, you are a member of a class of sojourners pilgrims wanderers on this world okay you don't become a citizen of the world you're born like that you become a citizen of the kingdom of god who now are just spending time here with the church as um, the embassy so to speak it's Christ, God's territory here on earth. They belong, you go to an embassy in another country, a U.S. embassy in, <laughs> name another country, Germany, <laughs> that's U.S. territory You're on United States land. That embassy belongs to them. German um, embassy in the United States, it's German. The church, everywhere we go, belongs to God. The church is embassy, the outpost of God. But our kingdom is not of this world. But we are winning this world over through the gospel. But the world's not going to like it. and The world's going to fight against it. But a saving faith is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to talk to us about in this. And saving faith is a persevering faith that gets you through the exodus. It gets you from, I've been born again. I have got to make it through life. Persevering faith. So, as a Baptist, well, Baptists still have a saying that uh, once saved, always saved, and that's. Good, except um, the Reformed way of saying it is perseverance of the saints, perseverance of the believers, uh, which is really saying the same thing. But to say once saved, always saved, it, I'd say it's kind of like you got your get out of hell free card. You know, it's like here, and you know, you, you get your get out of hell free you, you go, you make a profession of faith, you get your get out of hell free card, you go live your life, and then one day you die, and you're like, whoop, whoop, got that somewhere here. Well, here it is. <laughs> it's like, uh. You know that's not a persevering faith. Persevering faith is one that's gonna, you know, when you get saved, it's like, ah! and then it's like later on, it's like, oh, I'm terrible. I can't be a believer, and sometimes you just leave church because everybody else is so bad, and then realize, and then gradually come back, and your faith increases and increases, and maybe sometimes you get to the, ah! and then it's like, nope, and it's like this. But in a believer, it should be getting. You should see over time a growth in your faith. But valleys are not something to to make us give up during; it's to make us to see where God meets us in those difficult times. But it's a persevering faith. But what was promised that they didn't receive? Because that's what it says; they didn't receive what was promised. And we know the promise, all the promises of God, are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So most likely, what this means is that they did not get to see Jesus Christ. They saw it in what we call the, all the sacrifices, the temple, all the stuff they had in the Old Testament. The same faith that saves us saved them. The same Holy Spirit that indwells us indwelled them. Without the Holy Spirit indwelling, you it is impossible to believe in God. So yes, Old Testament believers also had the Holy Spirit. But what they didn't have was the Spirit of the risen Christ. Same Holy Spirit, but now on this side, the spirit of the risen Christ is a spirit of adoption by which we cry out all together, Abba, Father, so that we see something more. We have greater light of what the gospel is. And they didn't have that. So the Old Testament saints, all the things that they were— it's. Think about how much they did by faith, and they had not the light that we had. So how much more faith ought we to have on this side of the Christ, knowing we've been forgiven our sin? The very blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God himself sent his Son to save us. He was the final sacrifice. Somebody was talking to us the other day about, I can't remember who it was. They were trying to, oh, it was Chandler. Chandler was giving us a hard time and saying, he says, you ought to celebrate Passover because then you could get more days off from work. (laughs) <laughs> so like, all right that's one reason to do it and so he was just kidding so like well we don't he says he, and then he asked a, a question says uh why don't we celebrate passover and it's because the bible says jesus christ is our passover so when we celebrate the gospel we're celebrating passover so that's what the blood represented so we don't celebrate the feast of passover anymore because jesus christ is our passover And so we have that light and that knowledge. And so that should help us to get through this life. And so this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. I mean, I know you think these Old Testament guys had it all. And if you just lived back then, it would have been so much better. If I could go back to the Jewish tabernacle where we're, you know, we're able to be accepted into polite society and the government won't persecute us. It's like, no, you guys don't understand. All the faith that they had is in what you guys see before you now. This is it. This is what they have faith in. You can have all the faith in the world, but you reject Jesus Christ. You don't have faith in Jesus Christ, then your faith is nothing. And you're not going to make it through anything. And that's what this is about. This is about living your life and being able to get through things. Um, and again, some people are like, I just want to make it through the holidays. Just going to get it through the holidays. Stop. Don't. That's a, it's, a, it's a ploy of your flesh to be able to rob you of joy. So don't do that. It's like every day is a gift of God. Today is a gift of God. So we live life in the full knowledge of who God is. And he says in verse 40, God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. It's a tricky sentence. A lot of people kind of debate what it means too, but it most likely seems to say, because it's word, Greek can be a little strange in its way they do word order, but it sounds like what it's saying is they weren't made perfect apart from us. They're made perfect with us. They don't get a perfection that's different than ours. And it can also hint at the idea that we are all going to be glorified together. They're with Christ in heaven now. But this glorification that takes place, it's like it's not exactly clear what's going on in, in heaven right now. You know, it's a, your, your spirits. But that's a that's not how we're created to be. We're created to be spirit beings, spirit bodies and spirits, embodied souls. And so on the last day, we'll be glorified and we'll receive glorified bodies. And we're going to do all that together. So everybody at once gets to see this glorification stuff. It's almost like one of the things... I don't want to talk about Christmas. Christmas is a lot of different people. Like you end up having to do Christmas over several different days or times or something because you're trying to include family and everything. But one thing that, and my wife knows this, but it's okay. I get over it sometimes. You celebrate your birthday on your birthday. You don't do, (laughs) this is not from the Lord. This is from me. If your birthday is on a Thursday, then you blow out your candles on Thursday. Don't wait till Friday so that everybody can come over. That's not your birthday anymore. That's just my thing. I'm I'm okay with it sometimes we have done two cakes just to help me get over my little idiosyncrasies but I don't even remember my point now, because that, that threw me off so much. Oh, because what you want to do is it's like we 're going to celebrate this thing, but we get to celebrate it together it's like watching I like watching a movie I 'll watch Star Wars on TV it 's a better example I 'll watch Star Wars on TV, and Amy's like you 've got that. you can watch Star Wars anytime, whenever, wherever you want to. Why do you watch it when it 's on TV I 'm like, because there may be millions of people watching with me right now. <laughs> No, it just feels different. More people—it's like watching a football game that you've recorded. It's not the same. You can't cheer them on. They are its done. It doesn't matter what you say or what you do. But when it's going on, and I may be a thousand miles away, but I'm cheering them, something. There's some spiritual connection with my team. So the being glorified together, it's not like some people go to heaven, they get glorified. And they can't wait for you to come, then you get glorified. But it's like all at once, you're kind of looking around at each other going, Everybody's getting to enjoy and be amazed and worship God in that moment together. And that's what we look forward to. The saints have gone before us, ones who are yet to come, that we get to look at each other and go, "This is crazy!" <laughs> it's like, you know, it's un- unfathomable what it might be like. And so that's what is awaiting us. And so the author goes on, he starts to talk about, in verse 12, in chapter 12, "Therefore. Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so all these Old Testament saints, it's just a cloud of witnesses. This is a lot of people. Then what we need to do is use them as examples and lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And we're going to stop there for today. But being surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race that's set before us. So he's admitting, here in the Bible, uh, there's they'll talk about sometimes walking by faith, and that just means following God. You walk in faith. Um, but then here is your run, and you're in a race. And that can sound like, well, I'm trying to outrun these guys. I'm trying to do better than everybody around me. But it, it's not that kind of a race. It's like it's just a it's a marathon and you've all, there's all these different stories of people who just they've overcome tremendous physical problems and, and whatever to be able to to run some kind of a marathon type race and they and they finish last, but that's the one all the newspapers and all the television story is on. Look at this guy. He you know, he didn't have any legs. <laughs> He's got these things he's running on. It's like and he's, he's making it. And there's some story about a guy I know. He was like, he, he kind of had to pick up his leg. And every step was painful. And I don't remember how long the race was. But the, the, um, the winner of the race was there. It's like, it was like a 30-minute race, however long that would be for people. And then about two and a half hours later, this guy crosses the finish line. And the, the winner of the race takes his medal and puts it around his neck and says, you won this race. Because I think, not that I'm enough of a runner to talk about such things, but any sort of physical activity you do, you know the one that you're really competing against is yourself. And so, you know, you don't want to try to be better than everybody else. We try to be a little better than we were yesterday. But in, in life, sometimes we are just like, I just need to endure. So there may be times when things are so difficult that you just wonder how you're going to take your next breath. And that's what this is talking about. But it's also talking about going through life in the long run. And just notice as we go through Hebrews and some of the preaching that takes place in Exodus, um, I want to get up here and I want to talk about joy and I want to talk about peace and I want to talk about encouragement and enthusiasm and how awesome everything is and but that's not it's like going to a funeral and you talk about the guy and what a wonderful guy he was and everything everybody's like I think I'm at the wrong funeral because that guy not who that preacher's talking about <laughs> so you got to make sure that the life we see in the Bible is a life we actually see out in the world we don't want to wear our rose-colored glasses and say there's no problems out there it's just our perspective but they're are problems. life's hard Okay? There's also wonderful joys in life. There's times when you have great peaks and great, I hope people, I hope the children here grow up and have families and rejoicing and it's so much, I mean, just lots and lots and lots of, of wonder and joy. But they're also going to go through great sorrow. They're going to go through pain, they're going to go through trials, suffering, death, mourning, all these things. And who knows what other things they may deal with that none of us have had to deal with. And the only thing that's really going to get them through that is their faith. And so we want to exemplify that faith in our lives and we want to share that faith with them. We want to pray with them and we want to be able to recognize the fact that um, you're going to go through hard times. So don't count it strange when it happens. But what should be strange are Christians who just quit and give up. We, we, but you can't do it by yourself. And that's a big problem with a lot of Christians. I don't want to deal with anybody else. And um, you can't do that. So you have to be very careful, but laying aside every weight and sin. So a weight can be, um, I'm an introvert, and I wear that label with pride. Quit that. You know I mean, it's true. Some people have more difficulty being around other people than some. Some people are very social, and some people are very private. Well, as a believer, you're going to need to be around people. <laughs> you just have to figure out a way to, to make it happen. You don't have to be up front, you, you, but you, know, you had to find a way to surround yourself in some way with people who want the best for you, who know the Lord, who will be praying for you, and are are um, are, 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 are believers in the faith. And so that's what, um, and who believe in you, and who want the best for you, and who sincerely want to speak truth in love, and willing to bear your burdens. Because what we see here is, well, I was listening to a song. A, a song came to me and. a we had the ability to listen to absolutely any song we want to at any time. So I listened to, um, I've been quoting um, a lot of music lately, I've noticed, and (laughs) they're not from Christian bands. But, you know, that wasn't what I filled my head with when I was little. So um, The Cult, boy, that's a great-sounding band. But it was an okay band. Chris, you turn the camera off when I'm getting ready to. He just went up and touched the camera. I'm not recording him talking about this secular music. So there's a band called The Cult. It's called um, She Sells Sanctuary is the name of the song. And it's got, a, it repeats the line. It says, in the world, in the world, in the world, and the world drags me down. In the world, in the world, in the world, in the world drags me down. And it's just like, yes, that's what this is about. The world will drag you down. So and then what, so what I was thinking is, you know, and I was, I was going somewhere, and I'm like, all right, I need to, for this day, I need to walk by faith and not by sight. I want to walk in the spirit and not the flesh. The world is going to throw things at me, and my own flesh is going to throw things at me, and the world will drag me down. And what I have to do is know this world has nothing for me. And this world is not the enemy. We have spiritual battles we fight. So I'm like, I can do that. Just keep it in mind. So I pulled into the gas station, and something happened. By the grace of God, I can't even remember what it was, but it irritated me to no end. <laughs> and I remember it's like, all right, failure number one. All right, don't forget, you're going to walk in the flesh. So I got back in the car, and I went, and like, I don't know. Oh, I'm here. Listen to this. Oh, gosh. This is why you don't do free-form thought in the pulpit because you remember stuff and not sure you want to tell it or not. But while I was... Um, getting ready to pull away from the gas station. I decided I was going to um, check Facebook real quick. And I did. And, oh, man, the world dragged me down. And I responded. And I deleted it. And I edited it. And I deleted it. And I responded in the re- to my respawn. And I was like, stop it. You're walking. Are you walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit? And it's like, I don't know. Delete. So I kept going. I was about to get out of the parking lot. I was like, no, I've got the right response. So I responded. <laughs> And I drove away. And it's like in my mind the whole time, how's this guy responding to me? Because he had said something that made me mad. And I was righteously indignant. And um, But I was just thinking the whole time, the world drags me down, the world drags me down. It's like, that's what's happening here. The world's dragging me down. So finally I check it again, and he responds in some kind of a good way. And I was like, okay, good. But that thing, it, a, a, it wasn't, it's like you say, well, Facebook's the devil. No, it's not. It, it, our own entanglements in this world is a weight and sometimes a sin that clings too closely to us. So if the world is going down and you are tied to it, it will drag you down. The only way the world is going to drag you down is if you're all entangled in it. And so you have to be very careful because this world is going down. And we're called to run with endurance. And the only way to make it where the world... Because that's simple, you know. Delete Facebook, no problem, okay? But there's other things that happen. So other things, delete other relationships you have in life. Um, Go live in a monastery somewhere. Cloister yourself so you can't, I mean, you can't escape the world. It, it, your, Jesus says if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, if it causes you to sin. But you know, the problem with that is, You can have no eyes, no tongue, no arms, no legs. It doesn't take anything but a breathing person to sin. Your hand's not causing you to sin. It's your heart that's causing you to sin. We need heart transformation. And the way you get heart transformation is about what he's talking about here. One, you do have to watch sin and with these weights that cling so closely. Because if you're going to run, you know, there's one thing. You, you've got all your backpack on, and then and a bear comes up. And it's like, so you're saving all your stuff until it's like, all right. The only way I'm getting away is to let this stuff go, and I'm taking off. So once you realize something is in the way of your Christian walk, and maybe it's, I mean, we live in a very opulent society. Maybe we do need to like, let all of our material goods go. I mean, maybe we do. But, you know, I think just the thought of that is very difficult for us. And I'm not saying we have to let material goods go. But there's a lot of um, believers in Christ, um, children of God, who don't have any material goods to let go. So be aware of the blessings that we have and then be using those and willing not to have those things become a part of the world system that it can just drag us down. Because the world will drag us down. And the key to it is walking in faith and not in sight, not by sight. But it's very difficult because the world won't see that. And it's hard to get people who aren't strong in their faith to even understand what that means. Because you want everybody to go, I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. I'm going to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Because, man, we love the world. We love the world. We love the things of this world. We depend on. We have set ourselves up, especially in this country, very much in dependence on the things of this world. We don't even know what parts of this world are things that we need to cut off and get rid of and which things we need to say, well, this is for my good. We're confused about so many things because I think we have them as idols. I can't live without this. I can't live without you. I can't live without that. I can't, I got, it's... There's 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 an entanglement by the world, and you let a, you let a spiritual force that has the ability to be able to manipulate you, and all he has to do is, I don't know, break something, cause a problem over here, do this sort of have this person say that, um, and you have to be aware there are people who are absolutely manipulated by demonic forces that all satan has to do and when i say satan i mean all the demonic forces that are you know aligned with that is lead that person to say a little something that he knows is the thing that you need to hear to set you off and we all have those little things because we you know most of you know what those little things would be for me i know what some of them are for you because i've said it to you and saw you get upset so you know i figure some of the demons able to see that and go i'll make him say that more often (laughs) Or I'll have somebody else come in and do it. So you've got to be able to go, you know what? That's the world. I'm going to walk by faith. It doesn't mean you walk in this way of being like, I don't care. I'm oblivious to what's going on around me. But it's like, I am not oblivious to what's going on around me is the key that he's talking about here. I am fully aware that I am Clinging to stuff too much, stuff clings to me too much, and the world will drag me down. People will say something, I'm gonna get upset, I'm gonna say the wrong thing, I'm gonna do the wrong thing. Somebody's gonna do say the wrong thing, something's gonna break, somebody's gonna die, something's gonna happen, and it's gonna throw me into a tizzy. Do we use that word anymore? Period. And so, <laughs> you have to, at those points, to be able to say, This is there is more to life than this, I need to not. Let this dominate me. I need to walk in the spirit. I need to walk by faith. And then he tells us how to do it here as we try to, I want to do this. But how do you do it? Because it doesn't take much for something to set us off. You look to Jesus. And he gets pretty specific here who's the founder and perfecter of our faith. And it means he was the, he's the first one to actually, you know, he lived perfectly by faith in God and endured the cross. And uh, he perfected faith and he also perfects our faith too. So both of these things are going on. But so if you wanna see somebody live by faith, look at Jesus. You're like, well, Jesus is God. Yes, but he's also man. And sometimes we, we in the church, we, can, we make the error today of making Jesus like he was, he was God, but not human. We know he's human, but we focus on the fact that he was God a lot. But focus is just completely human. So just think, of, you know, he's truly human, dealing with all the struggles and stuff, and then he lived by faith. He lived his faith perfectly. It wasn't just that he was able to do and say and keep the law and not sin, because sin is perfect obedience and love from the heart for God the Father, and he had perfect faith. And it's like, well, that's good. That's Jesus. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm hitting him. But he's like, no, 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 no. Use Jesus. Use the man, Jesus Christ. Because you're supposed to be like God. Okay. But be like Jesus. It's like Jesus shows you what God would be, what being like God is like if you were human. And what Jesus did was attracted sinners to himself. Not people who were arrogant, not people who wanted all the glory for themselves, but people who were hungry and thirsty and, know, and humbled themselves and knew they needed a Savior. They knew they needed something. And Jesus would talk to the prostitutes. He'd talk to you know, people who were cheating people out of money. People who had sold their souls to the government to cheat their own people. And, and he would talk to them, and they were like, his feet. Women crying, his feet, wiping their, his feet with their hair even because they just they love to be around him. Now, there were others who ran him out and wanted to kill him, and not just religious people, but people who wanted nothing to do with, with him and cared more about their own economic prosperity and things. But if you're like Jesus, then the people who love God will be attracted to you. And the more you're like Jesus, the more love we can have for the world and the more we recognize how are we supposed to act but you might say well jesus didn't go through everything i went through. i mean he went to the cross finally but you know you're god you can kind of do a miracle here a miracle there whenever you want to but he didn't do that and what he says is it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured so we're gonna have this word endured come up three times in this so he endured the cross. We're called to endure this life. How did he endure the cross? It's looking ahead, and that's what Hebrews has been about. Look ahead. Don't think about where we're at. Now, you know, you go through a lot of suffering if you know it's for purpose. So if we recognize there's a purpose for this life in this world, we can go through a lot more stuff. And what was that joy? And some people say, well, it's because he knew he was going to be glorified. He knew he was going to be seated at the right hand of God. He knew this was coming to an end. And it's like, that's some of it, I think. But that's not why he went to the cross. He didn't go to the cross for himself. He went to the cross so that sinners, the church, so that believers, the elect, would not go to hell forever. I mean, he's in the garden, sin being laid on him. He understands that he can go to heaven right now if he wants to. He didn't have to do any of this. He's lived a perfect life. I can just say, you know what? Decided, I'd rather just... If it's possible for this cup to pass, let it. Well, not if you're going to save everybody, it's not. So, you mean if I am suffering terribly spiritually and physically on the cross at any point and they're yelling at me, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross? I can do that. Oh, man, I can come down from this cross. And you ever know what it's like to have, feel like you're up on a cross and you could just come down and but he's like, can't do it. Because if I do, then everybody goes to hell forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But for the joy set before him, he endured. And so we have to endure because there is a joy set before us that will be saved through Christ. we will get through this. This is, this is, you'll get through this. Faith intact, fight the good fight, finish the race, and there is a reward. And then it goes on even. He says he despised the shame. He'd never felt shame before. He had no reason to ever feel shame. And now on the cross, shame. If you've ever felt shame, I mean deep down, hurting, painful, kill yourself, shame. Where you're like, hey, if something's got to happen, or I ain't getting through this. And then you're pulled through it. Imagine that for eternity. And there's no way out. And Jesus experiences this on the cross. And he had no reason for it. But he feels actual shame And endures it because he knows that it's for a purpose and that when he gets through this, he'll be able to save many people. And he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. That's where he is. He endured it and that's where he is now. And then you consider him. That means you really think on him who endured from sinners. Such hostility against himself. Okay, so... (laughs) Sinners, he he endured great hostility from sinners. We will endure hostility from sinners. Jesus did too, but he he endured. And so you consider that so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So we're called not to grow weary, not to grow faint-hearted because weariness is what will get you. Faint-heartedness is what will get you that's what the world wants. That's what your flesh is yelling at you to do. When I would run, one of the things I know, I would run, and it's like, you can't go any further. You can't go any further. Yes, I can. Just keep going. No, no, no. We can't go. You keep going. Keep going. And I just stopped running. And I was like, well, I guess we're stopping. And it's like you're talking. It's like you're two people out there. It's like, I didn't tell myself to stop. I just suddenly stopped because I didn't have any endurance. And so that can happen in our life. So you look to Jesus, and I'm not saying so you can run around the park, but you can run the race of life. You can keep going and make it through. He promises to be with us. He lives inside of us. He says his yoke is easy. His burden is light. He is gentle and lowly of heart. And at Christmas, Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world, so that whoever believed in him would not perish, but have eternal life. But without him, the world is condemned already, because they did not believe in the only Son of God. So this is what we proclaim, the Son of God. This is how we live, believing in the Son of God. This is what, how we can endure because the world cannot drag us down if we're not tying ourselves to it. And then he gives us the Lord's Supper, which we'll take in just a second because what he says in that is, cling to me. You need me. It's You feed and you eat and you drink on me, and I'm with you. And you can get through this, but not without me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's pray. Father God, you've given us your son. You've given us an example to set before us of perfect endurance and encouragement. And He's, we have the spirit of Christ. I'm thankful. We are thankful that when we have hardships, we're not just able to endure because we have our good attitude we're not just able to endure because we're able to think rightly about things but we're able to endure because the spirit of christ lives within us and at times he takes over with us especially if we're in his word he will communicate with us and get us through hard times and hard trials and hardships and we'll finish this race so help everyone here lord to run with endurance to get rid of the weights and sins that cling so easily so thank you for your spirit and thank you for the gift of endurance